Good morning, church. Man, what an exciting time to be together. The first day of the week, like we do every week, to come together and celebrate our risen Savior together, to praise His name, lift His name on high, give Him all the glory that's due Him, to dig into the Word of God, to discover how we're called to live, and to encourage each other on the journey. What a joy it is to be with you this morning. I know we've got some guests here today. Thanks for joining us, being a part of our time together. And we would love nothing more than you to join us in helping tell that story of Jesus Christ right here at Cross Point using your gift set, your talent to do just that in the story that God is unfolding right around us, right here in Grand Prairie, the metro, and around the world. Thanks for being here today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, and I hope you've got your Bibles either paperback or digital either way. Turn those Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've got a lengthy text this morning, so it will not appear on the screen, and I want you to be able to follow along. There's some things I want you to highlight in the reading of that text. As we uh, begin this last in the series called Beautiful Interference. And I want to remind us that uh, that, that title comes from Mark chapter 1. Jesus is teaching in a synagogue, and there's a man that's possessed, and he runs up to Jesus toe-to-toe, and he looks at Jesus and asks the question, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And I dare say in our own life, sometimes we get busy enough that we ask the same question. Jesus, why are you interfering in my life? Because my calendar's packed. I don't have any margin for any extra. I'm worried about my career and my job and my family and going out to eat and vacation and my hobbies and all the different things that that encompass our lives tend to fill up all the edges of our life. And at the end of the day as disciples, we look at what is the most important command and realize maybe we haven't done a good job. Jesus reminds us in Mark chapter 12 the two most important things that you and I need to remember as disciples of Jesus. More important than anything else in all of Scripture, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love those around you the same way. And so you and I are called to live with every fiber of our being into who God's created us to be. A life that gives Him glory in in all things. And so that first week we took a look at how do I love God with all of my heart? And then the next week, how do I love Him with all of my soul? Last week we talked about how do I love Him with all of my, my mind? And we know that following Jesus Christ, the world looks at us and says, You are crazy for doing that. Today we want to talk about how do I love God with all of my strength? What is it in my life that is a strength, a talent, a gift, if you will, from the Holy Spirit that I need to really use in the story of God, in that retelling of the story of the empty tomb and a Savior who loves me desperately and pursues me. How do I live that out in my life? How do I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to start out with a question this morning and asking, how many engineers do we have in here? Now, I don't mean in career field or degree, but how many of us like to tinker with things and find out how they work? Several of us, yeah. We've got some folks in the back going, yeah. I do know that when I take things apart, they'll never go back the same again. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't happen like that. My wife and I, two weeks ago, we watched the movie First Man. 
uh, the story of Neil Armstrong and in the 60s, NASA putting a man on the moon. And just watching how all of that came to be was so interesting. There were hundreds of people involved in that project. Lots of different people bringing different things to the table, but together they made it happen. It was phenomenal just talking about the, the module and the lunar landing and orbiting and oxygen where there is no oxygen and the list goes on. All the different things they thought about to make that, that story come to fruition. Different pieces came together. And there are things in my own life, maybe you're there too, things I still don't understand. Like, for instance, the internet. How does that thing work? I mean, I know it's up there in a cloud somewhere, but other than that, I don't know much about it. Cell phones, the same way. The radio in your car, the same way. Your car. How do, all of those things. How do they work? Because you, you see each and every one of those things, and they all have components. They all have to work together in order to function properly. And you and I get to enjoy the benefits of technology. Talking to someone, we could pick up the phone right now and call Kenya, Africa, and talk to people on the phone in real time. It used to not be like that. Several hundred years ago, I mean, the form of communication was a guy on a, a hilltop or a mountaintop seeing the enemy coming and he would light a fire and the guy on the next mountaintop would see the fire and he would light his fire all the way down until it got back to whoever needed to know that information. Or maybe it was on an island in the South Pacific in the jungle or the jungles of Africa. There was a hollowed out log and, and a, a tribesman beat on that log and sending a message to the next tribe. Communication's come a long way. Because right now we can get on FaceTime and we can connect with the orphanage that we support in Kenya, Africa. and We can talk to the students there and the staff. We could call up Donnie. Anderson down in Honduras and talk to him about the work going on in Campamento and how we can help him in that process. It's almost immediate. I don't know if you've ever watched that show, How It's Made. Anybody like that show, How It's Made on Discovery Channel? You can always tell the nerds in the audience, they're like, oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> that would be me. Matter of fact, my, both my sons have made fun of me for watching that show. I tried to put them in timeout, but they were adults, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> Yeah, you watch that show, 30 minutes of how something begins and all the pieces that come together to make that thing consumer-friendly. It gets on the shelf. Or, or that show, Wrapped, where they show you how, how the chocolate is made or the candy is made. I gain weight just watching that show. <laughs> but at the end of the day, all the ingredients that come into those edible items so that you and I can purchase them. There are lots of things that have to happen for anything to be perfected, for it to all come together, for the story to be fulfilled. Every component has to do its job in order for it to come to fruition, come out right. Now, our building here at Crosspoint, it is, it's, got, it's got an alarm system. And the guys purchased that early on and put it in. There are motion sensors in every room, on every door. So if somebody happens to break in or somebody comes in without turning the alarm off, it's going to sound. And there's a, 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 some folks that are monitoring that at a, a distant location. They're watching that. I remember I'd been here just a few months and I'm first on the call list with the alarm company because I'm closest to the building and I'm beginning to think maybe I need to move further away. <laughs> Leave that to Kale or Jason. That'd be great. So if there's a problem at the building, I get a call. I've been here just a few months and I got a call at about 2 a.m. Other end of the phone. This is the monitoring service 
for Cross Point Church of Christ. There's a burglar alarm going off. Is this Tim Hall? Yes. We've already dispatched police. Would you go to the building? Sure. Two o'clock, jump out of bed, still groggy. Remember to put my clothes on. That was a good thing. Got in the car, came up here. I got here before the police officers. It was about 2.30. I did a walk around the building, checking doors and looking for broken glass. Maybe somebody got in somehow. I finally ended up at this front door. It's dark inside in the commons, and I'm just kind of peering through, looking around, seeing if I can see a silhouette, anything at all. And then I notice the light is on in the woman's bathroom. It's coming under the door. I can see it. Now, the offices and all the bathrooms operate on... Uh, an automated system. So when you walk in the room, the light comes on automatically because of motion. And the light is on in the woman's bathroom. The, the police finally show up, and as they're walking up the sidewalk, I'm doing this, going, it's the preacher, please, you know. Just, it's, it's not the bad guy. So we hit it off real well, and they said, would you like to come in with us? And I said, absolutely not, no. I'll wait right here. You go check it out, make sure it's all good. So they went in, less than 10 minutes, they had scoured the building. They came back and they said, we can't find anybody anywhere. So I came in with them to make sure, yeah, everything looks like it should be. So they went on their way, and I went on our way, my way. And I realized that, uh, the, you know, the women's bathroom light had been on. It must have been a female church mouse. I'm not exactly sure it was a women's bathroom. <laughs> the point of that story, though, is that all of those pieces come together to make it function properly. If the phone doesn't work, if the police decide to take the night off, if the monitoring group decide they're all on break at the same time, if I don't hear the phone, I mean, any number of things, all of it has to come together and work properly for it to function correctly. And church, that's the way the church is supposed to be as well. That each and every one of us are members of this awesome thing called the body of Christ. We're the family of God. And even though we're different in different ways, we all have been blessed by the same Spirit. And we come together in unison as the family of God. We function as the family of God. And any given ministry, there are lots of different pieces within that puzzle that make it work. Now, we support two foreign uh, mission locations, one in Honduras and one at Sam's Place in Kenya. And every summer, we take two groups to those two locations. And in 2015, Robert and I got to go to Kenya, Africa. And it was a, a great moment uh, to be there with the crew that went. But that location is no different than any other ministry. I mean, they've got 40 deaf children there on campus. They've got teachers who pour into them and teach them. They've got cooks, cooking meals, administrators. There are two churches in Texas who financially support that place. And then every summer a group goes over and they pour into the kids or teachers or do some manual labor. Now, Robin is really good at her job. She's a really good teacher. And so when she goes over in 2015... And she pours into those teachers and she helps them with resources and, and how to be even a better teacher than they already are. Uh, a guy like me, I just move rocks. That's all I do. That's all I'm good at. So we're, we're pouring sidewalks for the campus, moving rocks into the location, pouring the concrete over. I ran some Cat 5 cable up in the attic of one of the buildings. I will promise you, the temperature in the, in the attic of that building was about the same as the furnace in the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story. <laughs> I almost didn't make it out. Ran that cat five. Don has pictures of me doing some things that OSHA would not approve of. 
But see, if any one of those pieces of the puzzle doesn't function properly, then Sam's place doesn't happen. If the kids don't come, if the cooks don't cook, if the two churches don't financially support, if mission teams don't go over and help in various and different ways. You see, it takes all of us doing what we are talented and commissioned to do to make that ministry function through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul tells us that each and every one of us have the Spirit living within us, those that have decided to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And that changes who we are. That changes the direction of where we go and who we are. And so Paul is trying to point that out as he writes this letter to the church in Corinth. And in doing so, he writes us today because we get the privilege of reading what he believes the body of Christ should look like. And our text begins in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Now, church, if you've got your own Bible... Verse 7 is one you need to highlight, underline, circle, because it's important in our, our walk, our journey together. Paul goes on to say, a spiritual gift, guess what, is given to each of us. We all have a spiritual gift. What is the purpose of that gift? He says, so that we can help each other. Collectively, as the family of God, we work together in this. Bump down to verse 12. The human body has many parts, but... The many parts make up one whole body, so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Paul wants us to see this morning that we all, although very different, we are born back into the same spirit, baptized into the same body. We function together as family, even though we differ, even about the way that we think about things, the way we act about things, 
Even though we look different through skin color and nation of origin or language we speak, Christ makes us the same as the body of Christ. We live that out each and every day. Now, Paul in this text is reminding this church that is kind of splintering. It's going different directions because some are feeling inferior because they don't have the giftedness of maybe other people in the church and some are feeling way superior because they have what they believe are the better gifts of all the gifts that are available. And Paul is saying, you don't understand. All the gifts are equally important. It doesn't matter what gift you believe that you have. We're all in this thing together. We can't function properly as the body of Christ without each other. The very next chapter in the same letter, 1 Corinthians 13, is that famous uh, chapter on love. And Paul goes on to say in that chapter, he says, Listen, church, you can memorize text. You can memorize the Bible. You can go on every mission trip there ever was. You can teach every single Sunday in our kids' area. You can host hospitality every other Sunday. But if you do any of that without love, it doesn't mean a thing. Paul is simply reiterating what Jesus has already told us in Mark chapter 12. Love the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love other people the same exact way. You can be religious and yet not a part of the body. Because Paul says love is the most important thing. Just like Jesus says in Mark chapter 12. And what we we understand in Paul's encouragement is that when the body isn't working well together, then it's not very effective. And here in Texas, we know sports really well. So an analogy might be, think about a a football team or a basketball team or a cheer squad. And when the ball is hiked, maybe there's an offensive lineman, a tackle that says, you know, I'm just going to lay down on this play. I'm not going to function. I'm not going to do anything. The ball is hiked, he lays down, the defense comes in the hole that he's created, and now the, 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 line, the, uh, the linebacker, the quarterback gets tackled. Or maybe on the basketball team, the offense rebounds the ball, defense gets back, but one of the five team members says, I'm not running that court again. I'm just going to come back down here again. And so four on five, defense is now outweighed on the offensive end. Or maybe that cheer squad finally get to that point where they throw her up in the air and one of them just says, I'm not catching again. (laughs) That wouldn't end very well. Church, we sometimes act like that as church members, don't we? If we we don't all make a decision that we're part of the family of God, that we work together for the glory of God, it ends like that. And Paul is trying to draw attention to this church in Corinth. See, they they were splintering different directions. They made a decision that they weren't really together in this idea of following Jesus Christ, of being disciples of Jesus Christ. They had some issues going on. One of those was damaged relationships. There were people in the church taking each other to court, letting the public see, hmm, this issue that's going on within the church. There were folks who were showing up early and eating the Lord's Supper before everyone had a chance to get there and partake of it as well. There was some selfish egoism going on in the church. Well, I was baptized by Paul. Well, I was baptized by Apollos. And the list goes on. 
People trying to one-up one another within the church, not realizing that it takes all of us. No talent is better than the next one. There was some sexual misconduct within the congregation. There were married couples that were not attending to one another's needs. There was even, in chapter 5, a, a guy that was sleeping with his father's wife, his stepmother. It's kind of gross. There were abuses going on in the worship assembly. There were people who even questioned the authority of Paul to tell them anything. And so these were some folks who were really not understanding what the family of God is supposed to look like. They weren't loving God with all of their strengths. But Paul reminds us that no one should feel inferior and no one's superior within the congregation. Why? Because we're all baptized into the same Lord. We're all blessed with the same Spirit. Paul says that we were saved by the same gospel and that we are on the same mission together. But it takes all of us to make that effective and make it a loud voice for God in the community in which we live. It takes all of us to make the light shine brightest in our community. Our Crosspoint mission statement kind of screams that idea, come, connect, become. We want everyone to come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We want us all to connect with one another on the journey and we want to become everything that we have been created to become through the power of the Holy Spirit but the thing that we've got to acknowledge as a church body it's not only the church's mission statement to make disciples it's also our individual mission statements as well we're also called into that idea that each and every one of us belong to one another Paul says that in Romans chapter 12 that we belong to one another like family members. In other words, it's not okay for me to sit on the sideline as a disciple of Christ. It's not okay for me to scurry back into a corner and let you guys take care of it. It's unfair. It's not the right thing. Together we are stronger in the Spirit. We all have talents that we can bring to the table to make the story of God evident in the community in which we live. And I will say that this church is full of passion to show Christ to this community. Last week, I asked uh, the team, I said, hey, tell me how many volunteers in 2018 you had working uh, kind of in your area of, of expertise, your area of ministry. And they came back with some incredible numbers. In just our, our ministry leadership positions within Crosspoint and our missions team, we've, we had about 55 different people who were functioning as leaders. People who said, sign me up. I want to be part of the story. Help me be a part of what's going on at Crosspoint and Grand Prairie and around the world. I want to be a part of God and what he's doing in the world around me. On our praise team, whether back in the sound area or up here on stage, about 53 people are part of that ministry, saying, I want to be a part of creating a worshipful atmosphere on any given Sunday morning or special events or any time that we're together. I want to be a part of that. I want to use my gift set in that moment. In our kids' ministry, we have 106 volunteers who said, yes, sign me up because I want kids to know how much Jesus truly loves them. I want to be a part of that ministry. And in our youth and family ministry, we had close to 40 who are signed up saying, listen, I want to walk with teens and adolescents. I want to show them what it means to follow a risen Savior. And we've got to realize that at the end of the day, that, that's, that's over 250 people who have said, sign me up. I want to be a part of what's happening at Crosspoint and in Grand Prairie. I want to be a part of that story. Use my giftedness in ways that maybe I've never even thought of before, but sign me up. I, I want to love God with all of my strength. 
I want to be visible. It's not okay for me to sit on the sideline. I want to be in the game, so to speak. And what we realize in that moment and what Paul is telling us is none of us get a pass. It's not okay to sit on the sideline. It takes all of us in all of our strengths to fully become the body of Jesus Christ and to live that out in each and every one of our lives. But the truth is there are some of us who make a decision to come in on a Sunday morning, grab a cup of coffee and sit for 75 minutes and call it good. And Paul and Jesus said, that's not okay. That's actually not a disciple. And he's calling you in with your giftedness to join the story to each and every day live that out in such a way that it is obvious you are on fire for Jesus Christ. That actually weakens the body of Christ when we decide to to take a time out, when we sit on the sideline. Now, I know that there are some of us as well who, who may not even know what our giftedness is. Maybe we don't know what our strength is. So I want you to do something for me this week, today if possible. Maybe you write it in your journal or in your Bible or on the bulletin you've got in your hand. But do this. Write down three things that you believe you are talented at, things you are good at, things that bring you joy and happiness in life. Write those things down, those three things. The other piece of that I want you to do is to talk to three different people and ask them what they believe your giftedness is. How am I talented? And let them come back to you on that. And only one of those three people can be a family member. You can ask somebody outside the circle. I got... I got uh, first service. Somebody came up to me and said, okay, tag, you're it. Tell me what I'm good at. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, you could go get me a coffee. That would not. (laughs) But what you'll find is when you get those lists back and compare them, a couple of things, I think. One, those three people are going to tell you something that you never thought of in your life. Really? You think I'm really good at that? Oh, you're awesome at this. Have you never seen that before? The other piece of it is your list and some things on their list are going to match up. And it's going to be the kind of the moment where you go, oh, this must be what I'm really good at. And then I want you to get with either a staff member or a shepherd and say, listen, this is where I believe I'm gifted. People tell me I'm gifted here. I want to get involved in the story. Tell me how I can do that right here at Crosspoint. I want to be a part of what's going on. That's the challenge for you and for me this morning is to get involved in the story. Use your giftedness. Love the Lord your God with all of your strength. And so this morning, that's the question we leave each other with, is what has God created you for? How has he got you figured into his story? What's he gifted you to do? Because Jesus says in Mark chapter 12, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love those around you the same exact way. That's how we're called to live out the gospel message. And so this morning as we wrap up our time together, I want you to do some reflection, some thinking on your part. In my own life, what are my margins? Where do I have this idea set in my life that I am every day convicted to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Where does that show in my life? How am I becoming that disciple of Christ, growing, moving forward in my relationship with Jesus? That's how we're called to live. And so this morning as we sing this song, my guess would be if you're anything like me, there, there are things that go on in our lives that kind of prevent us from moving forward. 
from taking that leap, from, from discovering how God's created us to be and what he's called us to do. And so as we sing this song, our shepherds will be gathered along the wall of this room. And I want you to go seek one of those couples out. Let them pray for you and over you. That whatever that speed bump is in your life, that it would just be removed. The Holy Spirit would just pull that out of the way. So you can fully charge into the story of God. Knowing that every single day is a blessing we have from God. A moment you have to share the story. And what we'll discover along the way is if we make a decision to be that person, we'll discover that Jesus Christ actually has beautifully interfered with our life and we are better people for it. That's the call this morning. So as we sing this song, think about where you're at and how the Spirit is calling you into the story. How has God created you to be and what's he wanting you to do in his story right now? Let's praise his name as we stand and sing together.